0: We're going to get the call here. We're
1: getting the right call. That's all that matters. After review, good call. Good call. After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. Real goal. All righty. How's it going, Rangers and overall hockey fans? Thank you guys all so much for chiming in for the latest episode of Rangers Review. Myself, you guys know me, especially as Wardy from Wardy and well, I'm covering the New York Mets. But here I'm covering the New York Rangers. as a diehard fan alongside Stat Boy Steven, you guys know him, the Stat Guru, covering all things Rangers on social media, especially Twitter. And today we have a big episode because, yes, the New York Rangers have reacquired Tyler Mott for their fourth line. We've spoken about this endlessly the past couple of weeks leading up to the trade of the line is has, in fact, come to fruition. Chris Drury coming out like a bandit once again. So in today's episode, we're going to be breaking down all you need to know about the Rangers reacquiring Mott, who they gave up in this deal, was this the right move for them, how is Mott going to fit in the fold for them going forward, are there any more moves to be had, along with also taking a look at the past four games for the Rangers on the road, starting with their big matchup in Carolina and ending in Calgary uh, just a couple nights ago, and then getting into previewing the upcoming games for the Rangers that do begin tonight, February 20th. Against the Winnipeg Jets back at home at MSG, a lot to get into and more. But before we do, shout out to everyone here watching on live in the YouTube, especially here the live viewers in the YouTube chat, wherever you get your audio podcast, and more than anything, Steven, how are you doing today, my friend?
0: Doing great. Uh, looking forward to seeing Mott back in the lineup. He switched to number fourteen, so that'll take some getting used to.
1: No more McKeg. It's Mott time. So
0: yeah, it's Mott time. So I got I got some interesting like stats about the games we played and the mob trade, because the Rangers did something with Tyler mob that they, they haven't done very often.
1: Okay. Before you do that, I, I got to say the Ma acquisition, I don't know if we talked on air or off air about this, but the New York Mets back in, I want to say it was 2015 and 2016 around the trade deadline, acquired a veteran bat that would come off the bench and Kelly Johnson back-to-back years, at least twice, if not three times. And now we're kind of getting these vibes here with the the New York Rangers and reacquiring Tyler Mott once again to build up for the trade deadline. So this was a guy that I know you wanted most out of everyone that the Rangers acquired in last year's trade deadline, to return to this team. You wanted him more. You thought he was more vital than even the cops of the world, the Vitranos, the bronze, for example. You know, Mott brought a great element to this team, and aside from his injury, which, again, he was at no fault of, um, he was a massive impact, not only on the penalty kill, but 5-on-5, five five, just being a great defensive winner. And, again, keeping that up-to-pace speed, you know, a speedy winner when needed, gaining in the corners, getting in dirty when needed, and just being a great overall winner for this team in their playoff run. So now the Rangers reacquire him here that we see, and uh, they right, they have just over $900,000 in available cap space too. So that that does mean that another posi- uh, position of need could be addressed that we'll be getting into shortly. But Stephen, before we get into all the fun stats and stuff about Tyler Mott, I got to ask you, what are the exact details of this trade? What are we looking at here? So
0: the Rangers give up Julien Gauthier, uh, a winger who they got a few years ago in a trade for Joey Keene from the Carolina Hurricanes, and a conditional seventh-round pick. That conditional seventh-round pick turns into a sixth-round pick if we make it to the second round of the playoffs this year. And it will be the lower of the two sixth-rounders we have. We have our own sixth-round pick and the Winnipeg Jets' sixth-round pick. Okay. Those are the details of the trade. Um Tyler Mott returning uh to the Rangers is something a lot of Ranger fans wanted. You know, Mott was the guy that, especially on social media, he was the he was the name that was being dropped by by almost everyone, it seems. So a lot of fans will be happy to see Tyler Mott back in the Rangers lineup, but it did trigger something with me. I'm like, it's weird that you trade for the same player twice in less than a year, right? That doesn't happen very often, um, so I decided to do some research. And in the from what I could find, in ninety seven years of Rangers hockey history, they have acquired ten different players twice in a trade. Are, can I predict
1: any of these? Sure. CC, if you know any any of them? Were any of them during my fandom? Uh,
0: the most recent one before Tyler Maud was in 2000, like late
1: 90s, early 2000s. Okay, maybe I won't then. Uh, were any of these players of significance?
0: Oh, yeah, uh, two of them won a cup with the Rangers.
1: Okay, oh, Messier's won. Nope, because we signed Messier as a free agent. Oh, second. I'm sorry, I was just thinking of Rangers that returned, not how they returned. Uh, okay, if it was a trade. I, I won't waste time here. I know we got plenty to okay. discuss in the pod. Go ahead. So I'll, I'll
0: quickly go over the first couple of names. Uh, there's Rail Lemieux in 69 and 73. Okay. Peter Nedved in 94 and 98. Okay. Ron Stewart in 67 and 72. Esa Tikkanen in 93 and 97. Oh,
1: that's one that my dad would have known for sure.
0: Rod Sailing in 64 and 67, so three years apart. Brian Noonan, 94 and 96. Mm. That's the other cup winner with the Rangers. Uh Brad Smith in 97 and 99, and the top three, and this is where it gets interesting, 365 days apart, Jack Eagers, who was acquired on my birthday, the 28th of October, in 1972
1: and 1973.
0: Wow. In two separate trades. Okay. Then tie them up, 335 days apart, last year, March 21st, and this year, February 19th. But there's one player who the Rangers acquired twice in a shorter span. And we have to go back to 1988 for that one. Mark Hardy was traded. The Rangers traded for Mark Hardy on February 22nd, 1988. And then they traded for him again later that year on December 9th, 1988. 291 days apart.
1: That's wild. Okay, so again, as you alluded to earlier, this is a rarity for the Rangers to do something yeah. of this nature to not only reacquire uh, a former Ranger, but to do mm-hmm. it in a trade fashion as well. So, and funny,
0: and funny story Mark Hardy played with number 14 for the Rangers.
1: Oh, how fitting! So speaking of number 14, that is the new number now of Tyler Mott. So, Stephen, I just want to ask you, before we break down a little bit more on this trade, what is your raw reaction to it, and what is your level of excitement? I get it that Tyler Mott is not necessarily the flashiest player out there. He's not going to give you an impact that is going to you know, wow on the score sheet. However, he does all the little things right, and I know that's why you appreciate him most.
0: Yeah, your fourth line should basically be players that, in my opinion, contribute on a penalty kill and another liability defensively at even strength. That's that's all I ask for from fourth liners. So Tyler Mott checks those boxes. What Tyler Ma does that I am very excited about to see again is, and I, I've said this in previous recordings, Tyler Mott plays a possession game on the penalty kill.
1: Yes, very and Kevin Hayes-esque. That's so
0: rare to see because normally – the moment you get the you get the puck on a penalty kill, you dump it in because you don't want to risk it. Blah blah blah. Tyler Mod has the awareness to look around, and if there is an opportunity to pass it back to the defense first, he will go for that. He doesn't he doesn't just blindly dump the puck every time it lands on a stick on
1: a penalty kill. And we have so, seen Mika do that in flashes this year as well. I've noticed. Yeah, that. I was I was
0: gonna segue into that. Yeah. We saw that last season from Tyler Mott, and this season I've seen that same tendency from other players so it seems like Tyler Mott's style on the penalty kill rubbed off on the rest of the team so to have Tyler Mott back is great I just my only concern is that he cannot live up to the hype that was set last year because he had such a good stint the first time around with the Rangers um if he can live up to the hype then this is a great trade for the Rangers they needed someone on the fourth line they still need someone because Jake LeCision is just not going to cut it but uh, Gautier to mob is an upgrade for me. And it's not about points. It's about what he brings outside of points. Because, like I said, he's good on the penalty kill. At even strength, he's really good in possession. And it makes your fourth line... It turns your fourth line into a line that can actually do more than just be pinned down in their own zone and, and kill kill off a couple of more seconds. It allows your fourth line to actually drive the play when they get the when they get the opportunity. With Goudreau now on the fourth line and Tyler Mott, all we need is is one extra guy to solidify that, that fourth line. If we can get a guy like like Nick Bukestad and you have Goudreau, Bukestad, and Mott on your fourth line, that is a fourth line you can win a couple.
1: Yeah, Bukestad's been having a very good season, already at least 12 goals on the year in his first year stint with Arizona. Um, And, you know, going back to just this trade as a whole, what I like about it so much is it kind of feels like a win-win. I know Sanders Sanders fans may disagree a little bit, but hear me out. You get a Julian Gauthier, who's an RFA at the end of the year. He's younger. He's going to be cheaper. And he's a guy that, again, has always exemplified potential. He feels like a type of player that with the center's team that, again, they're not full-on playoff caliber yet, but they are going to be on the cusp of that very soon. They have a lot of great talent that have dealt with very unfortunate injuries this year. Josh Norris being rushed back is a great example of that. Uh, but Gautier on the wing, he's certainly going to be given his opportunities. He has a fast paced game, which goes in line with what the center's identity currently is. And again, a younger coach. I think that this is just a nice spot for him to hopefully kind of, you know, Try to find his game to the max. Like, I feel like this year we've seen the best flashes of Gautier yet in the HL. He's definitely not only had opportunities, but he has succeeded. He's had a handful of goals here and there. Uh, we know that he's, you know, that Carl Hagelin's esque player getting a breakaway feels like every game, but it's a matter of actually scoring instead breakaway. So I hope for his case that he doesn't only get, you know, exposure, more playing time there in Ottawa, but that he just develops well and can actually get that finishing touch. Because if he can, I mean, he has the size and the build, all the ability to be still an effective bottom six winner in today's NHL. So Gotier, I wish him all the best in Ottawa. I've always been a fan of his. I definitely give him the benefit of the doubt a lot of times. Um, but it, it just feels right that the Rangers made this move. Because let's be realistic, Stephen. You tweeted this a couple of days ago, and it holds true. Uh, maybe even yesterday was it, prior to the mod trade happening, funny enough. Was that once the Rangers, if they acquire a Mott and a Bukestad or someone along those lines for the fourth line, what are you going to do with Gautier? You're just going to let him be a healthy scratch for the remainder of the year, and then his contract's up, and you're likely not going going to return. I mean, maybe you could because they did the same thing with Hayek. When when the Rangers and Galan especially has any type of favoritism towards a depth player, naturally they're going to come back potentially on a deal if they're an RFA. But looking at the steel as a whole, very happy with what the Rangers got here. Um, there was belief that Mott was going to be more expensive. I think Larry Brooks said that. I mean, he was just wrong. L- I
0: mean, L- Larry I- Brooks said that <laughs> it, it was gonna cost significantly more than the fourth rounder we paid last
1: But why? Like what don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Tyler Mott is great for what his role is. Yeah. But realistically, what was when was his market value ever going to be no. higher than I think- what the Rangers offered?
0: I think the senators are better off getting Gautier than getting a fourth round pick because especially once you get to the fourth round in the draft it's a crapshoot. you know if once you get to the fourth round i always i would always trade down i would trade a fourth for two fifths and i would trade a fifth for two sixth and i would trade a sixth round pick for two sevens <laughs> just just to get more picks and get more kicks at the can at, at that point in the draft so to get a guy like Gautier, who still has two years of control He's only 25 years old. It gives the Senators a cheap option for their bottom six with a player that they can, that they can sign relatively cheap to an extension. And for the Rangers, yeah, they give up Gautier, but let's be real here. This is a player that cleared waivers at the start of the season. The Rangers just got Tyler Mott for a playoff push in exchange for a player that cleared waivers earlier this season. So... Gauthier was not going to have a spot on this team like last season. You know, when Mott, Vetrano, and Cobb came in, you saw McKeg, Gauthier, and Hunt being pushed out of the lineup. And a similar thing is going to happen here. Yeah, like you said, well, where what was his role going to be? Are, okay, your first call-up. The Rangers still have Cooley and Brodzinski and Carpenter in Hartford, who, especially the first two, I, I, I would be happy with, with those being the first replacements coming up. Um, and once the Rangers get a proper center for the fourth line, it pushes the decision out of the lineup that that's what you do at the deadline or leading up to the deadline. When you want to go for it in the playoffs, you solidify your fourth line. You get the depth that you need, you know, years ago, the Rangers acquired Dan Carcillo and it was great. It was a great move and it worked out for the Rangers. That fourth line just worked, you know? And this is the move that works for the Rangers. It works for the Senators because they get a player under control for two more years, that still has some upside. That maybe he has some up, untapped potential. He can he can still you know uh, dig into, um, and they get it for a guy who wasn't going to be in Ottawa next season anyway. So to me, it's a win-win. Um, it did make me wonder though is Chris Drury going to sign Tyler Mott to an extension this summer? I know I, I don't want to talk about next season yet, but it makes you it makes you wonder, right? You trade for the same player twice in back-to-back deadlines. At some point, are you going to go through the same song and dance a year from now? Are you going to give up more assets to get the player back that works really well on this team? I or think, are you just going to keep him?
1: And I think Mott, you could tell by his excitement, he had a little presser earlier today um after practice with the rangers that like he he clearly wants to be here it seemed like he wanted to be here after his short stint last year too and yeah. they just couldn't match up on money and again vermont Ma- the type of player that he is it's always going to be in the best interest of him to really seek out the most dollars he's not going to be a guy that's getting a big payday nearly to the degree of other forwards out there in the game currently so it's Im- it was imperative for him to make that decision with Ottawa. And now that he did, could this be a situation where maybe he's a a slider pay cut to stay with the Rangers next year, if it need be, you know, I just think that this opens the doors to that possibility more. And as long as to your point, as you said, if Mott can live up to that potential or similar potential to what we saw a year ago, then I mean, it, it would kind of be foolish not to at least heavily consider that if you're in the shoes of, Chris Drury, because a Tyler Mott player, while on paper and you look at the advanced analytics, it looks like a very replaceable guy, there's something that always needs to be said for guys who just gel right as soon as they get in New York in their role. They know their role from day one, they do it flawlessly, and they just help make this team as balanced as humanly possible. Those aren't easy to come by. You know, trades are never a guarantee. Acquiring a player is never a guarantee on the type of production you're going to get. Like, who's not to say that Tyler Mott could go out and have more of an impact for the Rangers down the stretch here on his overall game than Vladimir Tarasenko, for instance, that is very much a possibility. You know, there are two yeah. different types of players and again, they have different roles. We understand that, but you know, for Mott, for what he is and how much he grinds, just the shot blocking too, every, all the elements about his game has been beyond needed for this team. And I'm just really happy to see him back. So again, modern happy to have you back in New York and we're excited to see how you're going to do again going to be in the lineup, fourth line starting tonight against the Winnipeg Jets so we will of course recap that game next week when we go over our, the next week of games or so but Stephen you know the Rangers as I said already they have some more space to get a move done. it's funny we saw Ryan O'Reilly recently get traded in a blockbuster deal three team trade to the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Maple Leafs, who looked like one of the few teams that would be on Patrick Kane's list to say, okay, I would like to be traded there, are pretty much out of the running now and acquiring Riley. Then we see last night, I believe it was yesterday, correct? Patrick Kane scored hat trick against the Toronto Maple Leafs. So, Patty Kane's still out there, Stephen. So, I guess my question to you is that, uh this is not me trying to harp on Kane or anything of that nature. We know that the Rangers have a clear void still, a missing spot of a winner in this roster, whether it could be top six, they want VC off the top line or bottom six to get rid of uh Lecision. They're on that fourth line. So, and with Vitali Kratsov requesting a trade, not going to play another game for the Rangers this year, more than likely. Um, if there's any further comments you want to share on that front, by all means, go ahead here in a minute. But before we get there, just give me your thoughts on Patrick Haynes. You think that he is at all a possibility for the Rangers or do you think that they're going to just stick with the debt moves from here going forward? Uh,
0: there's, there's a difference between possibility and likelihood, right? Yes. Um, I don't think it's likely that Drury is going to give up more major assets to get another top six winger. Um, I think he made his choice when he, when he went after Tarasenko instead. That said, um, with the Maple Leafs out of the running now, the Rangers can still make a move for Kane. Like cap wise, it can still happen because right now they have um like about nine hundred thousand in prorated cap space at the deadline. They need two point six two five to fit Kane under the cap. Now, if they include Krasnov in the trade, and if they waive decision. Uh, by February 25th. So that would be, what well, Saturday? Uh, yes. If the decision is waived bef- on Saturday or before Saturday, the Rangers can make it work cap-wise. Now the question becomes, what is the trade going to look like? Because the Rangers have all the leverage, right? And with only a week to go until the deadline, I honestly think that there is a realistic possibility that if the trade happens, it's not even going to include a a first round pick at this point. You may look at a return similar to Eric Stahl in
1: 2016. Two second
0: round picks and a prospect, prospect. two second round picks, maybe two second round picks and a player. Um, You still need a, the only thing is you need a third team to retain money. Yeah. Um, so and who's a, gonna do that? A team like Arizona, you know, they Arizona took on Patrick Nemeth for two years because they got a the second round pick out of it. You know, those teams will use their cap space to acquire assets. It's 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 the best way to build for those teams. So just just spitballing here, but you could look at a second round pick on off going to Chicago and then a second-round pick going to Arizona for the additional retention and Nick Bukestad. But I would say the value for Nick Bukestad is a third- or fourth-round pick. If you throw in the extra retention for Kane, you up that to a second-rounder. Two second-round picks and crafts off, and then you get Kane at 2.65 until the rest of the season. You can make it happen, you can make that work under the cap. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they're actually going – to um, go going, going to make some decisions that indicate that they're looking for a move like this. Braden Schneider is the only player on the team who's waiver exempt. If he's being sent down on non-game days, that's an indication that the Rangers may be looking for a deadline deal with serious cap implications.
1: Okay. So that's interesting to make note of. So definitely something to watch if that happens as we build up the trade deadline and lie to me again when is the exact date for this year's trade deadline again
0: i think it's march 1st so i'm going to check why am i okay. googling march 1st of course when i when i google march 1st the result's gonna be march 1st i uh, sorry march 3rd next week friday okay uh, 8 p.m
1: here so 3 p.m eastern gotcha all right yeah definitely something we'll be watching and following along for the next or couple maybe of weeks. or maybe
0: do a live recording who knows
1: Maybe do a live recording. Yes, very very much so a possibility. Absolutely. So, yeah, I would say, in my opinion, um, I would like to give credit where credit's due. I think VC has definitely been productive for the Rangers that we've seen. In the top six in recent games throughout their win streak. Um, definitely was a nice production. You know, looked like, Rangers overall best player in one of those games in which Panarin was popping off too. I mean, like he really has helped balance things a bit. I know Gallant has one back and forth, you know, since our last recording initially, the first game was with Tara Sanko and Panarin tag teamed, And then that broke up shortly after, and then they won a good portion of games, not together. Now tonight they're matched up again on that second line pair. And VC's on that top line right now uh, with Zemanjad and Kreider. So the kid line intact at third, that's great. And then you have Lecision, um, and uh, Mott and, and Goudreau. Goudreau. There you go. Thank you. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out for the Rangers. But, you know, as, as exciting as it would always bring, be to bring in Kane and something that I would be excited about should it happen, a part of me almost feels like a Bukestad type still might be just might be the best Scenario. I know that's not the most ideal thing to have a Jimmy VC type player in your top six, but Jimmy VC at least can handle his own on the defensive end. That's something the where Kane is, has though, no production if you, on.
0: If you only acquire Patrick Kane, if we just put the aside, if you only acquire Patrick Kane, that would still solidify your fourth line.
1: That would. His
0: VC would move down. It will move VC down. It will move Goudreau to to the center spot and take out decision.
1: So either way, if you acquire Kane, you're you're still essentially killing two birds with one stone. Yeah. Okay. That that's a fair point too. So if again, you if
0: you go all out with the scenario I just painted and you get Kane and Buke set, then you're in a situation where Jimmy Veezy is your 13th forward.
1: Yes. And I don't foresee that happening with the no. way that VC has been playing. I, I think he's earned his keep for the remainder of the year. That the is, but and then,
0: but time. then the 13th forward is going to be one of the kids. It's not happening.
1: Not happening. No.
0: Goudreau is not happening, and they just no. traded for Tyler Mott. So, it I, I would say it's pretty much in, like it's pretty much. I would put money on it not happening that the Rangers acquire two more forwards.
1: Yeah, I think as it's much one, as we would love
0: for it to happen. I'd I'd be super happy with Bukestad. If Bukestad is the final piece to the puzzle, that works.
1: What's his his face-off percentages here?
0: Oh, I'd have to look that up. I don't have that handy. Um, But if you have Bukestad on your fourth line, yeah, VZ in the top six is not ideal. But it's not like he's a liability either. You know, he's kind of like he, he's playing in that Jesper Fast role when Jesper Fast was moved up to the top six. Didn't didn't look out of place. Of course, you can always do better, but um let's see, Buke stats face percentage. Uh oh, last year was high, fifty-five point three. This year it's forty seven point four. Okay. But you still have Goudreau on that, on that fourth line, too, who can take face-offs. So you're not only relying on, on Bukestad to win you a face-off. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. All righty. Well, I think that's all that really needs to be said on the trade front for now. Again, we're happy to have Tyler Mott back. We'll see how he does during tonight in the Rangers' matchup against Winnipeg. But, Stephen, we do have some games to get into because, you know, it might have not been the prettiest hockey we've seen. But overall, the Rangers have been playing good hockey and they've been staying in hockey games and they had quite the win streak up until their matchup against Calgary, which I'll just say it right now. I said it off air, you know, I had no ex- I had very little expectation for the Rangers to even win that game after the battle that they had the night prior at Edmonton. So for them to go out and still make a game of it in Calgary, I commend them for that. I know that Igor has not looked as consistent as we would have liked to seen, but he is still stepping up when we need him to. Uh, but now let's get into just these Ranger games overall because it started, Stephen, with a big game in Carolina going all the way back to the 11th, okay? And what happened that, in that game, Steven? Break it down for yeah, me.
0: Yeah, so the Rangers traveled to Raleigh to take on the Hurricanes. And, uh, you know, Tarasenko came off his first goal, of course, against the Seattle Kraken. This was the second game after that trade with Mikola and Tarasenko in the lineup. And, uh, yeah, Rangers score first, advantage out on the power play. And now with Tarasenko, uh, it, at this stage, though, on the second unit with Trocek, it gave the Rangers options. And one thing I really liked is that Galant was using the second unit more than just 15 to 20 seconds. Mm-hmm. That that alone makes the trade worth it. um Vinan ties it up, and then uh, Kotkaniemi uh, puts the Hurricanes ahead 2-1, midway through the second period um and then we saw some line shuffling from Gallant which is he loves to do um he moved Panarin down to the Trocek line and moved Kreider up with Zibanejad and Tarasenko and then Panarin decided to just take Madison into his own hands and scored four goals he scored one in the second and then he had a hat-trick in the third with an empty net goal by Kapo Kako wedged in there for a 6-2 win in Raleigh over the Carolina Hurricanes, who are first in our division, there's there's nothing about this Hurricanes team that scares me. If we face them in the playoffs, we got them. I'm telling you,
1: it feels no- you know. We saw what transpired with the Canes last year. You know, we were a lot of us were concerned entering you know Carolina for that matchup, rightfully so, because yeah. the Canes have been that team that should have should have more success than what the Rangers have had. But they really haven't, which is a little bizarre to say. They've had great in season runs, but po- I mean, playoffs wise, they haven't gone any farther than the Rangers have. And it's just- like the Florida Panthers, you know, regular yeah. season
0: beasts. And in the postseason, it's just not clicking for them.
1: And it's interesting because you'd expect that to change at some point. And again, maybe today, uh, this year is a year. Not going to, you know, knock them off and say, oh, the Rangers are going to steamroll them if they match up in postseason. Mm-hmm. But you know, to your point, we saw how the Rangers performed last year in playoffs. Then this year, the Canes had what, like an 11 game win streak. The Rangers snapped that. Then they had themselves another what it was a six or seven game win streak. Rangers snapped that again. The Rangers have been Carolina's kryptonite. And aside mm-hmm. from the couple of years where the Rangers were in their retool slash rebuild, the Rangers have historically always had a Carolina's hip, uh, kryptonite. Like let's not forget, you know, the Jeff Skinner days in Carolina, Cam Ward. I mean, it was one-sided for a very long time between these two yeah. teams and it's starting to feel like that once again so yeah carolina an unbelievably talented team the team you should not write off but it's, it's certainly a team that the Rangers can and should be able to handle if they do match up once again great game yeah. by the rangers there artemi panarin the guy that a lot of fans i've been seeing on social media uh, of of recent leading up to the build-up of that game saying Love Brayman, but I wanted to see him shoot more. You know, he's being a little bit too passive for me, not nailing his shots, you know. And here he goes, and he's like, all right, fuck it. I'm just going to go and score four goals. Like, and that wouldn't even be the last of his goal scoring and then, during no, the stretch because games.
0: Before you get into the Kraken game, he scored two goals in that game, which gives him six goals in a two-game span. You know how many Rangers have done that before, scoring six goals in a two-game span in 97 years?
1: I want to say it's under five. It's it's four other players who've done it. <laughs> there we go. I'm glad I was right with that.
0: Frank Boucher in March 1928, Steve Vickers in November 1972, Mark Pavlich in February 1983, and Mika Zibanejad in March 2020.
1: Yeah, Mika March. Dominance when, was there for sure. When he had that five-goal game
0: against the Capitals.
1: Yes, that was an electric game. Wow, okay. All right, well, speaking of games, let's get into the next one. And they were in Vancouver, and this one was a doozy. My goodness gracious. It starts off with Curtis Lazar netting his third goal of the year uh, right around, um, what, five minutes into the game. Then Mikas Manjad, a minute after, literally, nets his 28th goal of the year, and that was assisted by Fox. Then, staying in the first period, Panarin scores his 17th goal of the year, assisted by Vc and Shrochek. It's a 2-1 Rangers lead only seven minutes into the hockey game. JT Miller ties it up on the power play. The former Ranger was 19th of the year, and then Artemi Panarin ends the period with his second goal of the game already. Six goals in a two-game span at that point, and it was 18th goal of the year, and it's a 3-2 Rangers lead as they head to the second. As we get to the second period, Chris Kreider nets his 22nd goal of the year, assisted by Zbanejad and Tarasenko. It's a 4 2 Rangers lead. Connor Garland, however, the former Arizona Coyote, nets his 11th goal of the year, assisted by Kuzmenko, who's having a phenomenal first year in the NHL coming out of the KHL for the Vancouver Canucks. Injuries with an assist there, too. Um, Keandre Miller, and that's an unassisted goal. His sixth of the year there in the second period. And as we get to the third, speaking of Kuzmenko, he scores his 23rd goal of the year, and that makes it a 5-4 Rangers lead, only up by one. However, Mika Zabanjad comes right back at him. Uh, with just a couple minutes left in the game, his 29th of the year, assisted by Panarin, and that would be the ultimate score of 6-4 to in the Rangers favor. Uh, Goaltending-wise, again, Igor Shosturkin saved 25 and 29 shots, and on the opposing end for us, was it Silovs? I want to say for Vancouver, 22 of 27. Um, Yeah, yeah, it was a bane-bane-boom type game for the Rangers in this matchup. Ultimately, a win's a win at the end of the day, but my goodness gracious, this entire, I mean, West Coast trip was as high-scoring bananas up until that Calgary matchup. So, speaking of the West Coast trip and the bananas, let's get into the rivals of Calgary, which is Edmonton, the Battle of Alberta, okay? Rangers going to Edmonton. And, Stephen, what a damn game this was.
0: Yeah, look, the Rangers were just terrible. <laughs> they were absolutely terrible the first period. They conceded four goals in the first period alone. And it wasn't – well, I wouldn't say they played terrible. They just had terrible puck luck. Um, they, 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 there were some bad penalties. Uh, Trocek took a penalty for pushing uh, a loose stick away with his own stick, which you're not allowed Trocek to do. is
1: pissing me off a little bit. I'm not going to lie. He, if there's one thing that he has truly filled in the role of Ryan Strom, it's not the second-line yeah. sermon. It's not the same number. It's the same damn penalties. Like, yeah, Can this yeah. stop?
0: Yeah, be more like Ryan Strome. No, not like that. No, not like that. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, look, they score three goals in a row. Uh, Kreider scores on a power play to make it 3-1. sidle then gets a power play back for the Oilers, and the Rangers concede four goals in the first period. And that had me thinking during the first intermission. What is the record for the Rangers when conceding four goals in the first period? I looked it up. Their record was 0-4. Um, sorry, no, um, sorry, they, they've won four before, uh, out of, cause they, they can four goals in, in the first period often, but the last time they won a game after conceding four goals in the first period was January, 2002 against the Islanders. The other three occasions were against the Capitals in 91 and 84 and against the Bruins in January of 1944. So the Rangers... For them to come back and win would have been something that had only happened four times before. But somehow, in the second period, the Rangers start crawling back. Kreider with a shorthanded goal, assisted by Fox and Lindgren. And then Lafreniere and Zbanejad tie it up in the third. Zbanejad on the power play. The Rangers had a five-on-three power play at that point. Um, Score on the five-on-three, which I want to spend a few seconds on to talk about. For, for the first time under Gallant, I saw a 5-on-3 power play that actually did something different. They had Fox down low, and they had Zibanejad and Panera on the, on the points. Mm-hmm. And I love that we're finally doing something different instead of just trotting out the same the same tactics that we use on the 5-on-4 power play.
1: I mean, what do you have it's, to lose after you start a game this way, right? Yeah. Zibanejad scores his 30th of the season
0: on the power play. Heedle hit the post on the 5-on-4 power play that followed. So the Rangers were very close to winning it. Game goes to overtime. Um, some crazy stuff happening there. Shots back and forth. Uh, Zibanejad gets called for a trip on McDavid, of course. Uh, but the Oilers don't score. And then we go to a shootout where the kids delivered. Um, Nugent Hopkins scored for the Oilers in the first attempt. Kako tied it up with a beautiful move. And then in uh, round, that must have been well, round five or six, uh, eventually Lafreniere uh, gets it, uh, gets the winner for the Rangers. Rangers win a game where they can see their four goals in the first period. They beat the Oilers 5 4 in Edmonton.
1: Yeah, it was great to see Lafreniere get that winner. And just what an insane game. I, I was telling Steven this off air. It was funny because I was out watching the game at a sports bar. And then I'm seeing the Rangers gain decimate in the first. I'm like, all right, there goes that game. Like, all right, it's okay, it is mm-hmm. what it is. It happens. I'm not happy about it, but what else can you do? Then I'm.
0: And then of course, yeah. you know, you, you come back from from a deficit like that, and then you think, okay, there's 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 some lessons to be learned here. You know, you, we're going to learn from this. We're yeah. not going to have a, we're not going to have a shaky start tomorrow against the Flames, right? No,
1: no, not at all. But before we get there, I got I got to. Say one thing, uh, Stephen, about this game was I was looking at this game and shame on me. When the Rangers were down 4-1, any, any lucky schmuck out there that decided to hammer the Rangers' money line, my goodness gracious, you came out like an absolute bandit. However, when the Rangers, I saw the notification that they made it a one-goal game, for 3 Oh, odds plus 285, threw 50 beans on that, came out up 150. That's what we like to see. So, again, for Rangers fans out there, you know never count this team out even if the odds don't look like that they're in their favor it's a one goal game and they were trailing 4 to 1 score back to back goals get the momentum ride the hot hand cuz more often than not it's going to go in your favor um however in the calgary game didn't go in the rangers favor as much here um but again to give them bad for the doubt uh, i did not expect them to win this game i did not expect them to start the game well and a lot of those things ended up holding true because Andrew Manjapani scores his 12th goal of the year, literally 30 38 seconds into the hockey game. Nazem Kadri, who apparently you know them and the Calgary Flames were looking for some blood after their last matchup with the Rangers, which was an electric game at Madison Square Garden, mm-hmm. the best game of 2023. Many are still saying, and I don't blame them. It had everything that you would want in a hockey game. Kadri nets his 21st of the year, however, and still well, within the first minute. Of the hockey game. <laughs> so it's okay. a two-goal Calgary no. lead a minute into the hockey game, Steven.
0: So, Tyler, uh, how many times do you think the Rangers have conceded two goals in the first minute of the game? Ever.
1: I'm going to say none.
0: Before that game. It happened twice before. Okay. 1943 and 1980. Okay. <laughs> they lost both in regulation.
1: What? Well- Hey, the Rangers defied the odds again. They did not lose in regulation in this matchup because it started with Vladimir Tarasenko in the second period, netting his second goal as a Rangers, 12th of the year Mm -hmm. overall, assisted by Trochek and Panarin. That made it a 2-1 hockey game. Then we get to the third, Alexi Lafreniere, getting that little goal-scoring touch, feeling good after that shootout goal against the Edmonton Orioles and that's his 10th of the year his first power play goal as a ranger it took long enough Steven and the dying seconds of the power play literally like one or two seconds left he nets his first power play goal as a New yeah. York Ranger, assisted by Truncic. One, 190 and
0: NHL games before he gets a, uh, he gets one on the power play.
1: And and again, you have to look at it basically as a way of, like, how much time does this Ranger's second power play yeah. unit get? And they only get in the dying seconds, which, yeah. again, thankfully, Laffey said, I'm still going to net a goal in front, and he did. We get an overtime, and unfortunately, Mikhail Backlin, which scores 11th of the year, the longtime flame, gives Calgary the win on the power play. Um, that's all that needs really be said on that front. Uh, a little bit of a frustra- frustrating game. Rangers are outshot 32-20. to 20. I mean, uh, Flames definitely had a lot of pressure going in this matchup. Jaro Holak, who has been stellar for the Rangers for quite a bit now. Again, put up another respectable game for this team. So even though the Rangers didn't lose in regulation, um, their their uh, their six-game winning streak comes to an end, and they still do keep the point streak alive, though, which is now at, at least seven games, correct?
0: Uh, it was a seven-game win streak, actually.
1: Oh, yeah. So it would be an eight-game point streak. Then.
0: And I think, I think the point streak was ten games.
1: Oh, so there were overtime losses prior. Is that? The, yeah. The last,
0: the last time they lost in regulation was against the Boston Bruins in mid-January.
1: Oh my God! Yeah, you're right. And they they absolutely looked terrible in that game too. I was the cool. least bit surprised <laughs> with that Boston matchup. They only had what? Like you count on your hand how many losses they had that year. I'm like, yeah, this probably isn't going to end well. And that's yeah. going to be quite the matchup should they get to that point. But-, but, yeah, the kids
0: are doing great. You know, Kako has 11 points in his last 12 games. Lafreniere, I think, has 10 in his last 11. Uh, the kit line is doing great. And going into the playoffs in a couple of weeks, that's what you want to see. You want to see that kit line produced because that was the strength of the Rangers last postseason. Mm-hmm. Really, really happy to see them do well.
1: And what's what's sleeping under the radar, when especially when Hedo was doing so great as well, and Kako gained his amount of point production. Uh, Freak Bleach here in the live chat says it best, and he's right. Lafreniere has been great lately. Five goals, five assists in his last 11 games. So, again, that consistent production from that kid line, something where, you know, heading into the year we were in favor of because of what we saw in postseason with them. Then it got mixed up quite a bit. You know, you're seeing guys back in the top six. But then this kid line, it just it's great because they're all at a level of comfortability now where the, this line is not just satisfying because they're young kids, former top draft picks, and they have the utmost potential. Like, no, they're really showing and blossoming this potential. The chemistry is there. They're having fun. They're messing around with each other. You know, in practice, they, they're they gelling so well right now, and that's a chemistry I do not want to see broken up anytime soon. Keep it as is. You know, if it ain't broke, why fix it, right? And that's the yeah. case with the Rangers and their kid line at the moment. So, Steven. And the
0: only the only – thing is uh in the in that flames game you know you can see two goals early on that sucks but just just to put into perspective how rare it is what what the flames did there they scored twice in eight seconds right that yeah. is the ninth fastest the rangers have conceded two goals in the same game
1: really okay
0: so it's 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 rare that it happens that fast against the rangers um, like I said, it was only only the third time in NHL history they conceded two goals in the first period in general. Um, so the Rangers still came back. They made it to overtime. So I consider that a win. Even though it's a loss, I consider I, I consider that a positive after having such a shocky, shocking start to still make it to overtime. Uh, Halak's winning streak came to an end at seven.
1: A lot. Hey, wasn't the only seven-game winning streak that came to an no. end.
0: It's the it's the longest winning streak by a Rangers backup goalie ever, by the way. Seven games.
1: That's crazy. So
0: it just goes to show you the the the, the performance we're getting from Halak as the backup here.
1: So I want to throw this stat out to you, um, Steven. Do not look at the YouTube live chat. Just try to look at me, or else it's gonna be spoiled.
0: Okay.
1: You might have looked at it already. No, I I don't I don't okay. have the
0: YouTube uh, Okay, perfect YouTube link open. So
1: okay. John um, Cafaso here in the YouTube live stream. Shout out to you, John. Apologies if I butchered your last name. I do that with a lot of people. Throw out this great stat. Out of the last 30 games, Steven, how many games have the Rangers lost by regulation? Off the top of your head.
0: The last 30. Yeah. That probably goes back to the helmet tossed by Truba. On probably. December 5th. There's the Bruins. So it's at least one probably a few more I'd say four
1: exactly four you nailed it
0: <laughs> it, it was either four or five it, it was a low number because the Rangers have been on fire
1: since yeah. since that helmet toss. yeah isn't that absurd to think you about know what's
0: absurd? you know it's absurd as good as the Rangers have been since that helmet toss the Hurricanes still have a better record than us
1: yep and the Devils, and we, and the Devils have still been ahead of them with Hughes being out for yeah, quite a bit. We, now he's finally. We've for had sure.
0: the best stretch we can remember, and the Hurricanes still, still ex- like extended their lead on us.
1: A, it season. doesn't matter though. No, no, it, it doesn't matter too much yet. Don't get me wrong. Once we get to the final, and you know 15, what, 20, almost, 20 games of the season, which we we're close to. 27 games
0: to go. We're six points behind them. It only takes a couple of losses to 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 to, to, to make it exciting again. Yeah.
1: You know? And well, Stephen, as we take a look, uh, the next group of games. Because did you win? I think you won the belt again, didn't you?
0: Uh, I don't think we did predictions last time.
1: Oh, you're right. No, because we were continuing our prediction from like two weeks ago. Oh,
0: I, okay. Let me look it up then. Let I think you. Up.
1: I think you had it.
0: Let me look it up. Let me check.
1: Cause I did send it to you. I Can yeah. I just win once this year? <laughs> that's, that's what I'm looking for at this point.
0: Um, What's the record that we have? 3-0-1. Oh, so neither of us got the record, and you have 13 goals. I have 12. So you win.
1: I'm wondering that span? Son of, yeah. a, son of a gun. All right. It's a start no, of a how big one. How does if it feel? It feels refreshing, Steven. I'm going to enjoy it while it lasts because I'm sure it won't be long. And that leads me to the next segment of today's show, which is prediction time. Rangers, we went through games 53-56. Now let's go over games starting tonight, games 57, to I would probably say we'll go to um, 57, 58, 59, 60 because that's the next four games for the Rangers um, here in the month of February. So starting off with tonight, they're home against Winnipeg. Then they are have two days off. Then they're away in Detroit on Thursday. Then they're away in D.C. on Saturday. And then they're back home against L.A. on the 26th. That's Sunday. Um, okay, starting with me, Stephen. Out of these four games, my prediction is going to be that the Rangers go... Two, one, and one. Okay, and for goals, I'm going to go with. oh I'm gonna go with thirteen.
0: Thirteen goals. All right, I'll go with three, zero, and 1, one, and I'll pick the over. So fourteen goals.
1: Damn, I was hoping you would pick the over. Okay, um, because again,
0: have you seen our scoring lately?
1: I know. Yeah, I know. Oh well. It's like uh, that that's a that Detroit game could just give you the win in itself. No,
0: but, but seriously, that, if you look at the last couple of weeks, you know, uh six two, two three, four one, five four, four three, six three, six two, six four, five four. Yeah, if they don't score fourteen goals or more in the next four games, then then uh, then that would uh, have been a you.
1: you know what I almost would have liked more than two one and one? I won't change the prediction now. Just three oh and two.
0: Are you, 3-0-1-2, are you going to predict five games?
1: Oh, no. 2-0-2. <laughs> two <on> two. <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay. I'll keep it at 2-1-1. One, one. Um, right. Not that I wish it, but... All right. You know what would almost be more fun than the over and the under on the goal, Stephen? You know what? We should just throw in, and then okay. if, if neither of us hit on this, then we'll pick the... Uh, goals still as the tiebreaker for your wins you got to right okay you have one loss so you have to predict which loss is it going to be like which team are they going to lose to if you nail that itself then like you should just win okay so pick who who what team do you think the Rangers are going to lose to on a three and one this is just for fun
0: Oh, uh, they're going to lose to Washington.
1: Okay. So I want 2-1-1. So I think the Rangers are going to... You're back home against Winnipeg. You want
0: to predict the regulation loss or the overtime loss?
1: I'm going to predict both just for fun right now. But for regulation, regulation... Regulation, I'm actually going to go with the Kings. I don't okay. like the look of a five o'clock game. That pisses me off. That's bad juju. That's a Sunday. Um and the overtime loss. Ah, uh, I don't know. I I always hate facing Detroit. They always give the Rangers a bigger burden than they need to be a lot of times feels like but they're also not good this year so
0: I don't know I'm gonna
1: just stick with the regulation I I don't want to predict them both
0: okay okay just the regulation loss too
1: yeah Um, okay so Jimmy Mack in the live stream just says I missed the stream was Steven mad about trading Gautier and no Steven was not mad at all about train journey. i
0: i would have been i would have been happy if if they held on to Gauthier and traded decision and a fourth um but we upgraded the position by changing gotier into moth so it's a good trade for the Rangers.
1: yep good trade indeed and we're very happy about it obviously oh someone says predict the number of jacob truba hits How- oh yeah truba Trubis should be like a lock for a goal tonight against Winnipeg. Just cause why not? Mm. That'd be fun. We I could see him having a big game tonight. Is Pionk gonna
0: score for the Jets? What's that? Is Pionk or Baron gonna score for the Jets?
1: Baron would be more fun between the two. We've seen Pionk and his strides. You mm. know, it's funny when you think about the amount of uh, you know. High flying offensive defensemen the Rangers have had over the years, and I've been able to part with them and nothing hurt them, if that makes sense. You know, like when they lost, when they parted with Pionk, it was okay, right? When they parted with D'Angelo, it was okay. Um, Even to a lesser extent, Brady Shea, aside from his 40 point rookie season, it was okay. So, like, it's we've kind of, you know, been spoiled in spurts with the Rangers having these, um, Really nice offensive defenseman in recent years because we did. Then we went a good period of time where the Rangers seemed like they couldn't get one for the life of them. You know, Ryan McDonough was the driver of that offense on the defensive end for a while, aside from you know the Kevin Kleins of the world, you know, like <laughs> just coming out of nowhere um, from Nashville. Or I don't even know. Um, I'm not really going to say Dan Boyle because Dan Boyle wasn't good here, but I guess you could say it a little bit. Um, Shankirk briefly um anyone else i'm missing in just the like offensive defenseman category rafi diaz for like a couple games like <laughs> yeah
0: rafi diaz didn't even have the offense for me to consider him an offensive defenseman. Yeah.
1: michael delzato that delzato a-
0: delzato was good for the rangers he had, he had oh, he
1: good. can't forget Yandel. yep Yandel, was like that that Short sweet stint here. Yeah. I enjoyed him Matt, a lot. When Matt
0: Gilroy, here. Tom Pody.
1: Yep. Gilroy. Yeah. Gilroy. How long was he a Ranger? Uh that,
0: that was over a decade ago. I think 2010. Yep.
1: Yeah, that, yeah. that was before like my fandom truly began, but I, I I'm very I'm well aware on who he is. Um yeah, I think that's about it though. Can't it's remember. Like the Angelo, yeah, I, I mentioned Tony okay. earlier, though. Yeah. Tony. I'm curious. What are Tony's stats this year? Because I, I know he. I remember seeing him get benched for a game from Torts, which wasn't yeah. surprised to absolutely nobody. Um,
0: Offensive defenseman in more ways than one.
1: <laughs> that was funny. Um, all right, he has 31 points in 52 games. So very Tony-esque.
0: Yeah, that's 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 around the average for him. Yeah.
1: Plus minus minus 22, but again, he is on the Flyers. So even Mm -hmm. though he's not a defensive stud, nothing about that team is great defensively. No, no. So I'll give him the bet because he was a plus 30 with Carolina. So it just shows you the difference it makes when you're on a well-rounded team versus a completely lopsided team, which is when you think of Tortorella teams, you don't think that they're shitty defensively. But, you know, with how that team was constructed, uh, constructed as Torts entered, you can't really be all that surprised.
0: Man, that city has had a rough couple of months.
1: Losing three and, championships, and there's nothing that I enjoy more than just that. <laughs>
0: first, uh, what's, first, what's,
1: first, the Philadelphia the Union. The Union. I
0: was going to ask, what's their soccer right. team? Yeah, now?
1: MLS. Um, Philadelphia Union lose. Phillies losing the World Series. Eagles losing the Super Bowl. Ah, you you just love to see it, Stephen. You really do. You commend them again. They're they championship caliber. They're a championship caliber city. Yeah. Well that's as far as they're gonna go right now.
0: They're 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 basically buffalo yeah. in the early 90s.
1: Oh uh, but I mean they still have a bad buffalo. They have a they've had a great team the past yeah. couple of years and they haven't been able to get over the hump because it's not easy when you it, face the Patrick Mahomes, the Joe Burrows of the yeah. you world. Know? Unfortunately,
0: it coincided with the rise of Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And Joe Burrow with the Bengals. I mean yeah. it is what it is. As a Steelers fan, I get it. AFC yeah. is not fun. At all. Sometimes you
0: have like the, the San Jose Sharks. The San Jose Sharks were a great team, mm-hmm. but unfortunately they were coming up at the same time as the Blackhawks and the Kings.
1: Yep. It's
0: just, it's just, it was, it was, there was no winning for them. They made it to one Stanley cup final.
1: There's something, the there's, there's really something to be said, and this doesn't just go in hockey, but in all sports where there's a team on a come up and they have so many great pieces But they they were just not able to even have a sliver sliver of the amount of success that they would have, say, five years later or prior because they just had to deal with the prime days of a legend. And for me, as a Steelers fan, I think that goes so well with having to deal with Brady was the most frustrating thing imaginable over a decade span. You know, my first year following the Steelers as a diehard fan every day, they went and lost the Super Bowl to a young guy by the name of Aaron Rodgers. So that was Rodgers alone Super Bowl with the Packers, right? I would say,
0: I would say for, for New Yorkers listening, probably the Knicks with Patrick Ewing having to go up against the Bulls in Georgia. Oh,
1: absolutely! I mean, that that's not even a question. I mean, it could have been, been. Yeah. that that year of '94 was so special. It just imagine how much more insane it would have been if yeah. both teams in the Garden won in the same year. Yeah. Yeah. You know, was, he tried, he tried to give the Messier promise, you know, the guarantee, yeah. but mm-hmm. he couldn't. And again, you can't, you can't blame him. You know, like that, that, was, that was, that
0: was the first, that was the first like the full season that Jordan missed because he was doing baseball. Right.
1: Yes. Before, yeah, yeah. And coincidentally enough, that's the one year the Knicks go all the way to the championship. So like it's, it's it, naturally it's easier when you don't have the best player of all time in your way. Yeah. You
0: know? Yeah. 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 No, nah, fair enough. Yeah. Man, rough, rough to go up against those those kind of players. But uh, yeah, look, those teams are unfortunately those, those those teams are. You you see them in all sports. Yep. Um, I remember, uh, like uh, like West Germany in 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 soccer, right? Between 1966 and 1990, West Germany made it to, to every World Cup final except two. Really. And they only. They, they lost in 66. Um, they lost in 82. They lost in 86. And then they finally won it in 1990 again. They won it in 74. And then, and then they made it to three straight World Cup finals. 82, 86, and 90. They lost to Italy in 82, to Argentina and Maradona in 86. And then they won it in 1990, finally, before their reunification.
1: You know... I, I think of um, my favorite soccer team which is U- Juventus Italian and their prime days over the past decade in Champions League yeah they go up against Real Madrid Real fucking Madrid and Cristiano Ronaldo every single time Buffon, yeah. one of the best goaltenders to ever do it. I gotta say I'm grateful as a fan to have been brought up and my two favorite yeah. go- like my favorite goaltenders are not only like the best, In their respective leagues with Hank and Buffon, but also both charming looking. It was funny, but literally they couldn't get over that hump hump because of Ronaldo. Then Ronaldo comes to Juventus and you're like, oh, huzzah, they got their missing (laughs) beat. They got the man that's been in their way this whole time. And he still wasn't enough for them to win the Champions League. It's like the one thing. The one guy, it just it, it just wasn't meant to be. It, it's frustrating, but it is what it is, and that doesn't only hold true, obviously. Like uh,
0: uh, another another perfect example: Tottenham Hotspur in the Premier League. They're yes. always they're always going up against the big four, right? Yep. Yep. Arsenal, uh, Chelsea, Man United, and uh, and 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 uh, Man City, and then of course Liverpool's also in, in that mix. And then I think in 2016 they finished ahead of all of them but still behind Leicester city who came out of nowhere to win the premier league. Like the one year they finish ahead of all the big teams and they still don't win it.
1: It Sometimes it's just not meant to be.
0: No, it's uh Netherlands in, in football, like world cups. We've, we are the unluckiest team in FIFA world cups, man. We in 74, we go up against West Germany in West Germany, then 78 Argentina in Argentina, which was, corrupt and rigged with, you know, the whole dictatorship there. Then in the 1990s, we lost in a penalty shootout almost every tournament in the 90s. We lost in 92 to Denmark, in 96 to France, in 98 to Brazil, and in 2000, we lost to Italy in a shootout after we missed two penalties in the game. We, We just that whole decade for dutch football was aside from ajax winning the champions league the national team was just misery a decade of misery and that that was my childhood unfortunately
1: yeah again we we've all had our fair share of pain in major sports for our teams growing up but i think i don't i
0: don't think anything will ever top the buffalo bills losing four straight super bowls yeah there are kids in Africa who think the Buffalo Bills are the greatest dynasty.
1: In I, know, I know they grew up, they, they, they've, they've told me. They up up the <laughs> <Jewish education teacher. laughs> All right, Steven, before we get out of here, cause we do have, we do have to wrap things up. Shout out to brass in here from Winnipeg. I'm sure if you're a Jets fan, if you are good luck to your Jets tonight. But yeah. We got some Jets fans in here too. Yeah. Appreciate you guys chiming in. Um, it'll be a fun game tonight. Jets are playing really, really well this year. Um, I've always been a fan of a lot of the players on the team. Kyle Connor, what, still still criminally underrated somehow. I don't know how. Patrick yeah. Morrissey um, having – is it Patrick his first name?
0: Josh Morrissey.
1: Josh Morrissey. I don't know why I said Patrick. Um, Josh really taking it next level in his game um, as a number one defenseman there for the Jets. They got plenty of pieces. Blake Wheeler still doing his job. Um, I,
0: still, I still hope that they'll go back to the old logo one day, like permanently.
1: I agree. Yeah. I, I like it more for sure um but steven before we get out of here like uh, give us the latest prospect updates for whatever you got on your head
0: um well um seasons are coming to an end of course in juniors um we have uh brandon offman who's going into the playoffs with the peterborough peets he's going to be the the most interesting one to uh, to look out for Pete's can go really far in the playoffs um Adam Sikora in Slovakia is doing really well. And then in college, um, Riley Hughes and Northeastern won the bean Beanpot by, uh, by beating Harvard and Zachary Karpa in the final. Um, and then other than that, um, yeah, uh, no, no major updates on prospects. Uh, Will Cooley still leads the Wolfpacking goals, which is really impressive for, for first year. Technically, second year because he played a handful of games during the, the COVID season, of course. But his first full season in, in, in pro hockey, he leads the team in goals. That's really impressive. Um, so, yeah, hopefully we can we can see him come up at the end of the season.
1: Okay. Awesome. All right, Stu. Anything else? Well, yeah, what's the episode number? 73. All right. What's the history of Rangers in 73? There's only one player with
0: number 73. And it's, it's it's relatively recent, 2016-17.
1: Oh, God. Is it, is it a defenseman? This
0: this guy once had 22 goals and two assists in, in the same season for
1: a different team. Oh, my God. 2016-2017.
0: This guy was like pure goal scorer material, but never really panned out.
1: Oh, you just gave it away by saying that. I thought that this man was going to be the, like, Rick Nash replacement on the power play and actually score some fucking goals. Brandon Peary, you son of a bitch. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, As soon as he said that, I was like...
0: 2014-15 was a weird season for the Florida Panthers for him. Uh, 49 games played, 22 goals and only two assists. That is, as far as I know the biggest discrepancy between goals and assists by a player
1: and this okay so he hasn't played this year i wonder if he's retired or is he, or if he's been out with injury he's only 31 he played only three games this year in the ahl three goals one assist um the year prior in 2021 um 2020 uh 2020 to 2021 um again and pandemic everything um he had himself eight goals and two assists for 10 points in seven games in the AHL and no points in uh, one game with Blackhawks 2019, 2020 in the AHL 38 games, 15 goals, 20 assists, 35 points. He's always been like way too good for the AHL from what I'm seeing, but just he was never, a, he, never he able to win. get comfortable at the AHL level. Really
0: two years ago, he did win gold in the world championship with Gerard Gallant and Brendan and Braden Schneider.
1: Yep. And when he was with Vegas in 2018-2019, he had 12 goals, 6 assists, 18 points, in 31 games. Okay. Yeah,
0: look, that, that 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 season with the Panthers would, raised expectations, and he was never able to uh, to come close to what he did that year in terms of goal scoring. Yep. Unfortunately, didn't work out for, uh, for Brandon Perry. But yeah, he's the only player to ever wear number 73 for the Rangers in an official game. There are others. Um, Matt Rempé wore seventy-three in prospect camp and preseason the last two years. Okay, but those are not official games, so like only counts like it's only semi-counts. All
1: right. Well, Stephen, I think that's going to do it for episode 73, the Brandon Peary episode of Rangers Review. So everybody that's watching on YouTube, make sure to smash that like and subscribe on if you enjoy this podcast. We'll be back at you next week after another four or so games for the team in new york city that being the rangers this is me wardy you guys can check me out on social media at WardyNYM. nym if you are a new york mets fan by chance then make sure to check out my youtube channel at wardynym nym the largest mets youtube channel covering all things mets that is not directly affiliated with the mets or sny that is steven make sure to check him out on twitter at staff boy underscore steven. if you want to hear anything everything rangers he is your man on twitter um big following and he gives up gives out some great prospect updates weekly and does a bunch of Twitter spaces as well. So make sure to check him out there. If you want to have Rangers discussions, he is your guy. We appreciate everyone chiming in and listening wherever you get your podcast. We'll talk to you again next week. And as always, Stephen. let's go Rangers. Let's go Rangers.